listen, we're in a series right now called A Disciple's Journey, and uh, what we're discovering is, is the posture that we are called to live in as disciples. We're looking at the various dispositions that we're called to live in. Our mission statement at New Beginnings is to become a people, connecting people to Jesus in his ever-restoring life where we live, work, and play. And, and uh, what we're discovering as we walk through this series is that if we're going to accomplish that mission for the glory of God, then there is a type of disciple that we must become if we're going to live on this mission of making disciples with our life. And so last week we started this by talking about what it looked like to be an eyes up disciple, having a kingdom focus that we would see that the kingdom of God is preeminent in our life and that everything that we do in our life, decisions we make, how we use our resources, how we manage our family, the things that we live for should be the kingdom of God. And if we're going to live that way, then we have got to live in this next disposition, which is knees down. Knees down. That's the, that's the posture of spiritual dependence. That's what we've got to become. So not just eyes up, kingdom focused, but knees down, spiritually dependent. Let me frame it like this. If, if eyes up is about seeking the kingdom, then knees down is about seeking the king. And this is essential for our lives as disciples of Jesus, that we've become spiritually dependent. A few years ago, I had a, I had a health scare, a minor health scare. Uh, so I was kind of going through a, a season where I was trying to get healthier and, and lose a little weight, just get in better shape. And so I cut a lot of stuff out of my diet that I'd uh, grown accustomed to eating and, and, and went away from drinking any sodas or Gatorade or anything and just uh, began to drink water and cut out a lot of the carbs that I was eating, which meant a lot of the vegetables that I was eating. And, uh, and so I just changed the way I, I was eating. And then I would go to the, the gym and I would work out. And one particular day, in the middle of all of this, things were going really good. I had a good workout, finished my workout, kind of rested for a minute, uh, got my, my composure, got my breath, stopped sweating, got in the truck, and I'm heading back now. I'm going to get a shower and get back to work. It's over lunch uh, break. And so I'm on the way back. I'm on 300 Gilmer Road, heading back uh, toward the church area. And as I'm driving, something just felt funny. Like all of a sudden, I felt like the blood was leaving my face. And I started feeling like tingly all over and I, I began to sweat profusely and it freaked me out, I'll be honest with you. Like, so I'm driving and then I, I just had those moments, I don't know if you've ever had one where you know I'm about to pass out. Like I'm about to go completely out. So I'm driving down the road, it's busy and I just kind of see and I know I've got to get off the road. So I pulled off to the side street where there was a fire department because I'm like, if I go out, they'll come find me. And so I pulled over and then I went from, okay, this doesn't feel right to, I think I'm dying. Like if this is what, this is what I think it's happening. And I'm now I'm kind of in panic mode. I'm not normally a guy that panics. And so I roll the window down and I literally think all of a sudden my vision is going away. I'm not seeing, um, I'm, I'm trying to pray. I literally, God, I'm, I think I'm dying. I need you to step in. And so I rolled the window down and I put my arm out because I was like, well, if I pass out, I want them to see me hanging out of the side of the truck. Because like my nightmare in that moment was, was like, you know, like somebody you know, just, I'm there all day long and nobody finds me. So I, 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 and I passed completely out. Like I'm out. About 30 or 45 seconds later, all of a sudden I wake up and eyesight becomes, comes back and kind of get my composure. And, and uh, I, I drove home and, and laid down for 20 or 30 minutes and then went back to the office. Didn't tell anybody, didn't tell my wife. And uh, I'm like, I don't know what that was. Thought I went dying to, I'm gonna go back to work now. Um, 
And so that's totally a man thing right there. And so I, I, I just didn't think, I told my wife later on, and, and of course she was worried and angry because I didn't go to the doctor, I didn't call her. And so a couple weeks later, I was at the gym and kind of the same routine over lunch. I was finishing up, I was heading back. At this time, I felt it coming again. I was like, oh gosh, but I, I was trying to get back to the office, but I had to stop and get some dry cleaning on the way back through. And so I go in and by the time I'm walking in, like all the blood leaves my face and I feel it again. And all of a sudden now my vision is going away and I know what's about to happen. And so I felt like, okay, maybe if I eat a piece of candy or if there's, there's some sort of you know, snack I can eat and I don't have any food on me. So I'm checking out and the lady looks at me and now my speech is slurred and I can't get a sentence out. And I just looked at her and said, hey, do you have any food? And she looked at me like, you have lost your mind. Like you've been drinking apparently the way I was talking. And I was like, you have any food? And she's like, food? I'm like, yeah, a piece of candy or anything. And she goes, are you about to pass out? I was like, I might. She goes, can I call 911? I said, if I pass out, yes, please call 911. So I go back to my truck and I just like, I just gotta lay down. And so I laid down in my truck and a few minutes later she comes in and I'm not passed out yet. She taps on the window, gives me a little uh, piece of candy that she had found and I ate it and, and I started feeling better and I called my wife and I was like, hey, the thing happened again and uh, I need you to come get me. So she takes me to the ER and I go in and they run all kinds of tests. I spent the next couple of weeks with our days with um, wires trying to check out my heart and go home and trying to get all, you know, figured out what's going on with my, my heart rhythms and all that. Anyway, long story short, I go back to the doctor. And he's like, your heart's fine. Everything is fine. And here's what he said. He's like, this diet you you're on and with this working out and the regimen you're on, he's like, your body can't sustain that. He says, your diet, you have depleted yourself from essential nutrients that your body needs to be sustained, especially with the things that you're trying to do in the gym and in your workouts. And they basically, the answer for me was, was that you gotta get more potassium, you gotta start eating carbs again, you gotta just eat a better, well-rounded diet. Otherwise, you're not gonna have the strength that you need and this is gonna be a perpetual thing in your life. And in essence, here's what he says. Your body is physically dependent on certain nutrients and if you don't have those in your system, you will not be able to do physically the things that you know you want to do. So that kind of changed my approach to all of this. And, and a few weeks ago, I kind of pushed the limits again. It happened again. I know the issue. I know the problem. And so now I have a better balanced diet in the middle of all working outs that I'm trying to, to get done. And I say all of that to say this. Physically speaking, we know this is true, Right? Your body is dependent upon certain nutrients, certain things to sustain your body and to make it function the way it's supposed to function. The same is true spiritually. Spiritually speaking, we are, listen, we are not just living in a physical world. We are living in a very real spiritual world. As we have embraced Jesus, the Bible says that we have been transferred from the kingdom of darkness, last week we talked about this, into the kingdom of the beloved son, which means we are now a part of a spiritual kingdom. And in the realm of this spiritual kingdom, there is a very real spiritual enemy and you and I live daily in a very real spiritual world. And this spiritual existence that we have was never meant to be lived in human physical effort. Like the Christian life was never meant to be lived with self-help, self-will, I can muscle through this, I can do these things on my own because what we need is a supernatural power that comes only from the presence of God through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in our life. And apart from our dependence upon the presence of God and our dependence upon the Holy Spirit, just like physically without certain foods, my body just kind of shut down, spiritually will be depleted. 
and we won't have the spiritual vitality we need to live the life that God's called us to live. In fact, Dr. Tony Evans, I love how he frames this. He says this, he says, the reason many are in this perpetual mode of defeat is the absence of spiritual vitality. If you've ever wondered in your life, like why is it I'm a follower of Jesus and I try to read my Bible and I'm trying to, to, to live the life that he wants me to live, but I just feel like I'm in a perpetual mode of defeat. Let me tell you why that is the case. It's because the spiritual vitality of your life is lacking. It's that you can't just physically try to live this life on your own. We need the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And this life that we are called to live of this, this spiritual presence of God, the Holy Spirit in our life, listen, that life is found in the posture of being knees down in the position of prayer. Without prayer, we cannot live with the spiritual vitality, with the presence and the power of God in our life. See, the, the problem with many of us is that we try to live with our own power and our own effort because of our pride because we think we can do this. But the truth is, here's what I love about this posture of being knees down. You see, when you get into the position of being knees down, it's, this, it's the picture of surrender. It's a picture of, God, I, I'm, I need you in my life. I'm surrendering, I don't have what it takes. That's why I love the mental image here. In the Old Testament, you see this instruction often to God's people. He would say, humble yourselves before the Lord. The word humble yourself, this phrase that we see in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language literally means bow a knee. Like get in the position of surrender. Acknowledge that you don't have what it takes and surrender to a power that is not your own, that you desperately need to live this life. And this is the posture of a, of, a, of a kingdom focused person. It is knees down. It is living in the posture of spiritual dependency. You know what happens when you assume the posture of knees down is that you move beyond your ego, beyond your self-sufficiency, beyond your pride, and it puts you in a position where you go, I, I need from you, I'm depending upon you, and I'm trusting in you. That's the type of disciples that we must become if we're gonna live this mission that God's called us to live. And listen, nobody in the Bible, nobody in history exemplifies this type of life, this knees down disciple life like Jesus. Jesus exemplifies this more than anyone else. So grab your Bibles and go to Luke. We're gonna start in Luke chapter four. In fact, we're gonna be at a lot of places in Luke today. Uh, last week, we kind of stayed in Matthew as we traveled through the book of Matthew. And because Matthew emphasizes the kingdom of God, Luke, more than any other gospel writer, focuses more on Jesus's prayer life and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life because of prayer than any of the other gospels do. He focuses more on the prayer life of Jesus than anyone else. So Luke chapter four is where we're gonna be. And here's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna look at the prayer life of Jesus. And I wanna give you two truths about the prayer life of Jesus that if we began to emulate, if we embrace this as our life, it will change our life forever as followers of Jesus. So Luke chapter four, if you're there, say the Bible is true. Here's truth number one. Prayer was an essential and regular practice in the life of Jesus. That's truth number one that we're about to discover in Luke chapter four, that prayer was an essential and regular practice in the life of Jesus. Now look, if you would, at verse 42. It says, and when it was day, he departed, he went into a desolate place, and the people sought him 
and came to him and would have kept him from leaving. Now, this, Jesus is like 10 minutes into his earthly ministry, literally one chapter. And in this chapter, he is preaching the gospel. He is healing people. And he's already experiencing rejection and persecution from the religious leaders. So there's a lot that's already happening in just the brief time of Jesus's ministry. And here's what we learn is that even though this is what's happening in his ministry, Jesus is prioritizing intimacy with the father. That we see this summary statement of Jesus's life that he withdrew to a desolate place where he would be alone with the father. See, how do we know this? Well, the parallel passage of this we find in Mark. Mark describes this very moment of Jesus's life, but he gives a few more details about it. Mark chapter one, verse 35, it says this, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. So he's describing how early it was. He departed and he went to a desolate place. The same thing that Luke says, what does he do there? And there he prayed. So what we find at the end of Luke chapter four, verse 42, in the midst of all of the busyness of Jesus's life, we learn that Jesus lived in the posture of being knees down that he lived in the posture of being spiritually dependent upon the Father. Intimacy with the Father was a priority for Jesus. It was the fuel of his ministry. This was a way in which he lived. One of the ways that I would summarize the life of Jesus or the prayer life of Jesus is this. Jesus lived a praying life. Luke summarizes in verse 42 something we see continually in all of the gospels about the life of Jesus. Jesus lived a life of prayer. It was an essential and regular practice in his life. Now, eyes right here just for a second. If the aim of the Christian life, if the aim of being a disciple is to become like Jesus, that means that if we're going to become like Jesus, prayer cannot be a secondary thing in our life. It can't be something we do when we have the time. If we're gonna live like Jesus and become like him, then it must become an essential and regular practice that we have both, both personally, privately, and corporately with the church if we're going to emulate Jesus in this way. It must become a part of our daily rhythm and our daily life. And I want you to miss this. The life of a disciple of Jesus is supposed to be a praying life. A life where we are constantly in communion, uh, communing rather, with the Father in prayer. That's the life of a disciple. It's not like the side thing that we do when we can fit it in our schedule. It's a way of life. Now, I know some of you are like, look, you're talking about a way of life. I have a hard time to pray in the morning or over my meals. And now you're talking about a life of prayer. Like, what does that even look like? Like on a practical level, what does it look like to live a praying life? I'm glad you asked. Because Jesus answers this for us by showing us in his own life what that looked like. As I told you before, Jesus, um, Luke rather, throughout his gospel, emphasizes the prayer life of Jesus more than any other gospel writer. 15 to 20 times through the, through the gospel of Luke, you're gonna see Jesus praying or he is going to be talking about prayer. And we get a window into the prayer life of Jesus. And that shows us then how we then are to live this life, the things that we should be praying for. In fact, I did something this week. I broke this down uh, so you can kind of see the, the, the prayer life of Jesus. So the prayer life of Jesus in Luke is like this. Uh, in, in chapter three, verse 21, at the beginning of his ministry, 
and then preparing for his ministry in uh, Luke chapter four, verse one and two. Intimacy with the father, Luke 4, 42, 9, 18, 11, 1, for spiritual power in, in Luke 5, 16 through 17. I'm gonna come back to that one in a minute. Making decisions, Luke 6, 12 through 13. When he was uh, deciding who was gonna be his disciples, the scripture specifically says that Jesus spent alone a night all alone and, for, and all night long he prayed that God would give wisdom on who he would choose as his disciples. He did it for making decisions, revealing his glory in Luke 9, 28 through 36 for evangelism of the lost in Luke 10, 2. Thanksgiving, Luke 10, 21 through 24. Uh, praise the model prayer, Luke 11, 1 through 4. Encourages prayer for the Holy Spirit, 11, 9 through 13. He gave thanks for supper at Luke 22, 19. Spiritual strength for a friend, Luke 22, 31 through 32. Overcome temptation, Luke 22, 40 and 46. Overwhelmed by burden, sorrow and grief, Luke 22, 43 through 44. Surrender to the will of the Father, Luke 22, 41 through 45, forgiveness for his enemies, Luke 23, 34, as he died. I don't know if you know this, that Jesus was praying as he died. What was Jesus's final phrase? Into thy hands, I commit my spirit. As he died, he prayed. And then it says this in, in Luke 24, 50 through 51, he prays a blessing over his disciples at his ascension. The very last thing that Jesus does on planet earth is he prays for his disciples. Now, what's the summary of this? Jesus prayed about everything. Like there was nothing in his life that he didn't take to the Father. Jesus lived in the knees down posture, spiritual dependence in every area of his life. He lived a life of prayer. There was no part of his life that he goes, well, I think I can do this on my own. It was a constant surrender to the, to the Father for spiritual strength to live this life. This is how he lived, constant communion. Let me give this illustration of what that looks like. Um, so my wife and I, we communicate really well. That's one of the things that we have been able to discover over the you know, 20 plus years of marriage is how to communicate. So our daily rhythm um, uh, really, uh, not, not every single day looks like this, but most days look like this. We, we go to bed at the same time every evening, which means that we have some time to debrief the day and talk about today. We get up in the morning the same time. And so we normally, typical mornings, we're drinking a cup of coffee, sitting in the living room, I may be doing my Bible reading and she's doing her Bible reading. And then we spend a few moments before the kids get up and we talk about the day, what's going on, what's, what's on the schedule, what's on the agenda, what's on the kids' agenda. And we just have a general conversation just about uh, what's happening. If there's an issue with the kids, that might be a good moment for us to try to make some decisions or whatever it might be. We just spend a few moments, whatever time we have, and we're just talking uh, about the day and, and, and life issues. And then as I go to work and as she goes to work, there's a constant communication that goes on. She'll text me and go, hey, how's your day going? And I'll text her back, hey, it's going great. How's your day going? Or she may go, hey, I know you had a meeting that was important. How did that go? Or, hey, I prayed for you today. And I'll kind of text the same stuff back if that's what's going on in her world. Or she'll go, hey, don't forget, you got to pick up this kid at this time. And then we got to pick up this kid at this time. And we got to somehow figure out somebody to go get this kid at this time. And we're just navigating through the day. But through the day, there is a lot of touches where we're just working through the details of our life so that we can um, navigate in a way that allows us to be on the same page. Now, here's the point of that. That is what it looks like for us to commune with God throughout the day. 
That we would live a life where in the mornings we would spend time with the Father talking about our needs of the day, the things that we've got going on, the things that are burdenous. We're just interacting with the Father and we're having this time. We're setting our mind on what do we got to get done today, but we're doing it together. And then as we go through our day, there's these little text prayers that we have with the Father. As we walk into a meeting and we go, God, I need you to help me today. I got some things we're, we're deciding on. We got a project we're trying to complete or I've got this child that we're trying to deal with in the classroom. And so I need your presence or I've got this... Uh, this coffee that I'm about to have with a friend. I know you want me to talk to him about Jesus. So God, if you would, give me some strength. And so through the day, there is this communing. As God blesses and answers prayer, you're praying prayers of thanksgiving and gratitude. And it's not like in those moments, you gotta go find a corner, turn the lights off, get on your knees physically and pray. But knees down is a posture where you're living spiritually in a constant conversation with the Lord. Where every detail of your life, you're recognizing, I need him want him. I'm enjoying his presence in my life. This is why Paul says what he says. He goes, pray without ceasing. Like this is the will of God for our life to pray without ceasing. And so what Jesus models for us, and if you look at the life of Jesus, Jesus apparently had a set time early in the morning where he would go and meet with the father. And as you've seen through these passages that Jesus prayed for a number of reasons, just as he went through the day, as needs arose or as moments uh, came up into his life, he would just pause in those moments, whether it was praying for a friend or whether it was teaching someone how to pray or whether it was just a, a simple gratitude to the Lord for what the father had given him in that moment. But through the day, he just interacted and communed with the father. He would also have times where he would withdraw with his disciples and they would pray together. And this was just the way of life for Jesus. Now, Here's the question we've got to ask. If this is how Jesus lived, we're talking about God with skin on. We're talking about God incarnate, the eternal living forever Jesus who came to this earth. If this is the way that Jesus lived, if he constantly depended upon the Father and prayer was essential, how in the world do we think we're gonna make it through this life if we don't live like that as well? Like if this is the lifestyle of Jesus, for crying out loud, who are we to think, okay, God, I got this one today. I got this big meeting, but I'm pretty slick. I'm pretty smart. I think I got this thing figured out. See, so, mon so many of us, what we, what we find in our life is that the, the mundane, average, ordinary moments and experiences of our life that overwhelm us, the reason it overwhelms us is because everything as a kingdom citizen is spiritual. And what we need more than anything is the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to guide our steps and our conversation and our work and all of the things. But far too often, prayer is not essential and it's not a regular practice and we don't live a praying life. And so by the end of the day, we are frazzled and we are getting to the place of, of spiritual depletion because we're not abiding in the Father. This is where Jesus, listen, this is where the power and the ministry of Jesus was experienced. I'm gonna show you this. So Jesus, the first truth is this. We see that prayer was an essential and regular practice. And the second truth I want you to discover this morning is why this was essential and a regular practice. And here it is. Jesus's life and ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit through prayer. Jesus's entire life and ministry 
was empowered by the Holy Spirit in prayer. This is why Jesus, for him, prayer was essential and a regular practice because this is where the power of his ministry came from. And by the way, that's where the power of our life comes from as well. I wanna show you this. If you would, uh, take a left in your, in your Bible to Luke chapter three. We're gonna walk, work through a couple of, of verses here. Luke chapter three, we see this very uh, clear. I'm gonna start reading in verse 21. It says, now when all the people were baptized and when Jesus also had been baptized, now don't miss this, and was, what was he doing? All right, let's say it like we can read, all right? And was, and praying, all right? The heavens were open, verse 22, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. I wanna push pause here for a minute. Follow what's happening here. Jesus is going to be baptized by John the Baptist as a declaration uh, for uh, uh, everyone to know that what, he's endorsing John's message and as an example for us of what he's gonna do through his death, burial, and resurrection and that we should be baptized. But notice this, it says, that when he was being baptized and praying in verse 21, and praying, so in this moment, he's praying. That's when the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus. It was in this moment of prayer. Now. The Father speaks to him, the, the, the Holy Spirit comes and fills him, and if you were to follow the, the chronological, the timeline, you actually would jump from verse 22 to chapter four, verse one. Let's do that. Chapter four, verse one. Notice the very next thing it says about Jesus. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was what? Led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, now watch this. Jesus is praying at his baptism, the Holy Spirit fills him. The very next way Jesus is described in his ministry is this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Spirit. So there's a connection that Luke is making for us. The prayer life of Jesus led to the Spirit filling in his life. It led him to this life of being guided by the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to watch what happens next as John does this. Now, go back to verse uh, number, was it two or one of, yeah, here we go. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Now, what do we know about Jesus's ministry? He went into the wilderness right before his ministry started and there for 40 days, what does he do? He fasts and, and prays. He spends time preparing for his ministry. 40 days alone with the Father, fasting and praying. What happens there? The enemy comes and tempts him. But through prayer and fasting and the word of God, he overcomes the temptation, uh, showing that he is, he is the, the perfect one, the righteous one that has come. But this was done because he was praying and he was fasting and he was spending time alone with the Father. Now listen to the description of Jesus when he leaves the wilderness. Verse 14. And Jesus returned in the what? In the power of the Spirit to Galilee and report about him went through all the surrounding country. Now, do you see what's happening here? Do you see the pattern that Luke is setting up for us? Jesus prays in chapter three. He receives the Holy Spirit. Chapter four, verse one, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Spirit, goes into a season of 40 days of fasting and praying, coming out of that. What is it now? He is in the power of the Holy Spirit and he begins his ministry Listen, Luke is wanting us to see that there is a connection between the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' life and ministry and his prayer life. And this is a huge thing that we cannot miss. 
that this is where the spirit-filled life, which is, by the way, the kingdom life, the spirit-filled life is supposed to be discovered. It is praying, it is communing, it is intimacy with the Father that's found in prayer. I've said this before, I'm gonna continue to say it, that God's power for your life, Jesus has enough power through the Holy Spirit. He wants to fill you, he wants to walk with you in his strength and in his might, but listen, Prayer is the conduit by which God has ordained us to experience and walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no bypassing. If you want spiritual, but how many of you would rather walk in spiritual victory than defeat? Raise your hand if that's you. If you didn't raise your hand, you didn't understand the question. I don't think there's any of us in here who's like, you know what? I kind of like the enemy, you know, handing my hindquarters to me on a regular basis. No, we want spiritual victory, but listen. Power, the Holy Spirit for spiritual victory is found in the quiet moments with the Father. Luke shows us this another way, a very powerful way in chapter five. In chapter five, Jesus calls, his, calls a few disciples and then um, it says that he heals a man with leprosy. And this kind of, this sent a shockwave in the community and this is the description of Jesus' life. Verse 15, but now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. So the ministry of Jesus is exploding exponentially. People are coming from everywhere to be healed. There's never been a higher demand for Jesus in the life of people in his ministry up until this moment than right now. But I want you to look at this description of his ministry and the very next thing Jesus does, verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Now, the first time I read this, my thought was was this. Are you kidding me? Now, just think about this. Crowds were coming from everywhere. Like, this was like Easter Sunday for Jesus, right? I mean, people were coming from everywhere, and they're coming with these needs and these burdens and all of the sickness and the spiritual brokenness, and here they are. Jesus came for the people, and now the people are coming to him. And the need was so great, there were people everywhere. If there was ever a moment in Jesus's life where being with the people was a priority, this was one of those moments. But Jesus's response to the demand that was in front of him was not to meet the demand, but to go and spend time with the Father. Why? Because he knew that intimacy with the Father is how he would have the spiritual power to meet the demand. Jesus's life and ministry in this moment the demand was so great. Imagine this. I know, I know for me, just as a pastor of a small, I mean, I, relatively speaking from Jesus's ministry, like what I have called to do is much smaller. And I know, I know the burden that I have. I know the, sometimes the fatigue spiritually of just walking a church and, and people in the church through difficulties and challenges and the needs that are out there. There are times where I, I mean, I'll, I can't, hard time catching my breath because I'm like, guys, there's so much to be done and there's so much hurting that's out there. Like, imagine what Jesus must have felt. I mean, just to see the masses of his creation that he loves with all of his heart, and they're broken, and they're hurting, and they're lost, and they, they, they need to be healed of diseases and sicknesses, and their, their lives need to be restored, and here they are coming by the thousands to Jesus. Imagine what he felt. Listen, and that's exactly why he went away, to get alone with the Father. And notice the result of this. Let's just see the very next verse, verse 17. On one of those days, now pause, listen to the story. 
Crowds were coming. They had all kinds of sickness and diseases and everything was, you know, coming to Jesus. They're coming to be healed by him. And then it said, but he would withdraw to desolate places. And one of those days when the crowds were coming and he withdrew from a desolate place, this is what it says about it. One of those days as he went teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Why? He went away to a desolate place and prayed. Believer, can I help you with your crazy, chaotic life? The reason so many of us are so depleted spiritually is because we look at the demands of our life and the grind. Listen, it is, life is a grind, is it not? I mean, we got kids, we got a shuttle and bandage and get to school and we got classroom we got to get to and tests we got to pass and reports we got to turn in and, and, and a boss that's after us. Or if we're the boss, we got employees that need all of our attention and we got a marriage that's got to have our attention. We got a dating life, all these things that are happening in our lives and life can get chaotic. There are times, I don't know about you, that I'll just kind of think about all the things there is to do in a day and you're like, okay, I need 14 of me. Anybody? Am I alone? And if we're not careful, we'll get spiritually depleted and we'll get wore out. And here's why most of the time that happens. In fact, I would say every time that that happens, it's because we're trying to meet the demands of the day in our own power. And what we need, because we are kingdom citizens and, and we're focused on the kingdom, we just don't want to look at the task for the day. We want to see where God is working in the task of the day. And rather than doing that, we just try to accomplish the things and we get burnt out and depleted and we bottom out. And just like physically, I had to pull over and kind of roll my window down because I'm going out. That's how many of us feel spiritually. It's because we're trying to do this thing. We're trying to meet the demands of life on our own terms and our own flesh and our own work. This is why I love what Martin Luther said. He said, there are so many things in my day that I have to get done. I don't know how, how I'm gonna get done with the time that I have. I must spend three hours in prayer. Like his perspective was the busier I am, the more I need to pray. This would help us so much if we would recognize, here's what would happen. If we began to live this way, we began to filter our life through kingdom lenses, with eyes up, and then do so in the posture of knees down, a life of prayer, here's what would happen. Two things would happen. Your to-do list would most likely get shorter because you'll discover that the reason most of us are so busy is because we're meeting the demands of what everyone expects of us, not what Jesus has expected of us. People say all the time, man, I'm just overextended. I'm like, whose fault is that? Right? Here's the second thing that would happen. Whatever spiritual strength we need to face the day ahead, we would have more than what we need. You say, that seems overly simplified. No, no, listen, I'm just, I'm just telling you. You seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be given to you. You live in that kingdom eyes up with the kingdom knees down, spiritually dependent upon the strength of the Lord. I promise you, you will have everything that you need. And listen, I'm telling you from a man that two years ago burnt out. You know why? I was trying to meet the demands of what God had called me to do in human effort and power. 
And that just leads to fatigue and anger and bitterness and this kind of sense of I'm not enough for people. Then before you know it, you're bottomed out. See, what happened to me physically in my truck is what happened to me two years ago spiritually. That's when the Holy Spirit said, why are you doing this on your own? Never ask you to do all of that. Ask you to pursue me and to seek me. And I'm gonna work through you. Do what you can't do and of yourself. The life of a believer was supposed to be met in the power, lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen, Jesus shows us this. And what's fascinating is that the disciples, man, they recognize this. Like they, they saw Jesus' ministry. They, they observed his prayer life. They were with him when he communed with the Father. They saw the Holy Spirit's power after prayer. They watched this. This is why in Luke chapter 11, we get another sneak peek into the life of Jesus' prayer. This is what it says, Luke chapter 11, verse one. It says, now Jesus was what? In a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, follow what's happening here. There's only one thing, to my estimation, in all of the New Testament that the disciples of Jesus asked Jesus to teach them. They don't ask Jesus, hey, teach us and, and, and show us how to perform miracles. Show us how to cast out demons. He doesn't, they don't ask him to teach how to do that. Here's what they do. They said, Jesus, we want you. The one thing they asked Jesus to teach them how to do was to what? It was to pray. Why? Because they saw Jesus pray. And they heard him pray. And they were with him when he prayed. And they saw the power of the Holy Spirit at his, on his life when he prayed. And so as the disciples are walking with Jesus, they're seeing this connection between, there is intimacy with the Father. Like he's talking to the Father in a way that I wish I could talk to the Father. And he is experiencing a spiritual power that we wanna experience. They understood, they, they connected the dots between the prayer life of Jesus and the Spirit-filling power in Jesus's life. And so they look at Jesus's life and go, hey, we wanna do what you do, but we can only do what you do if you teach us how to talk to God like you talk to God. Believer, hear me say this. You will never be more powerful than you are pray prayerful. And until we get serious enough about following Jesus that we become people who live knees down, we will never be able to live the life on mission and accomplish the things that he wants us to accomplish. You will never experience the fullness of the ever-restoring life that's found in Jesus unless we become a people of prayer, unless we become knees-down disciples who are spiritually dependent upon the Father. There is no shortcut. There is no little uh, quick fix spiritually. It is dependence upon the Father for spiritual life. You know what I love about this? They ask Jesus this question, will you teach us to pray? And he does. You know what, you know what I love? Like, so Luke... Is, is, is written by, the Gospel of Luke is written by a guy named, named Luke. And he's a doctor. He's not a disciple, he's not a, he's not a, a apostle or one of the 12 disciples. He's just a follower of Jesus who came to faith as he heard the stories and witnessed maybe from a distance the life of Jesus. He's a doctor and a historian. And he's actually writing the Gospel of Luke to a young disciple of his named Theophilus. And, and what I love about this is that Luke exhausts the, in this Gospel much of his time to mentioning the prayer life and the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of Jesus. 
And he's showing us this is how Jesus lived. This is the knees down approach to life. But then Luke does something. He writes a sequel to the gospel of Luke. Some of you may not know this. There's actually a Luke part two. It's called the book of Acts, same author. And what Luke does in the book of Acts is that he, where Jesus's ministry ends with the ascension, Jesus' ministry continues through the church. And here is what Dr. Luke does in the book of Acts. He takes the same rhythm of the gospel of Luke where he focuses on the prayer life and the Holy Spirit power that's in Jesus. And in the book of Acts, he continues the story by showing us that the disciples of Jesus began to live knees down and they became people of prayer. And you see the book of Acts and the story of the book of Acts is how the Holy Spirit through God's people engaging in him in prayer filled them and empowered them. And they began to plant churches and they would gather to pray as a corporate body and the power power of the Holy Spirit continued to uh, scatter them and to spread them and the gospel flourished and took over the known world. Why? Because in the early church, here's two things we learn. In the early church, prayer was essential and was a regular practice. You know why? Because they watched it in the life of Jesus. You know, the second thing we find in the early church is that their life and ministry was empowered by the Holy Spirit through corporate prayer. They embodied in the church what they saw in Jesus. That's why corporate prayer is so important for us, personal prayer and corporate prayer. It's essential for us here at New Beginnings. And by the way, if you wanna learn how to pray better, how many of you wanna pray better? Raise your hand if that's you. So look, there's real, I want to give you two really great suggestions, all right? The first one, you're not going to like it. You want to, you, want to, you want to be more effective in your prayer life. Here's what my first thing I want to tell you is pray more. Pray more. Hey, you're never going to get, be good at anything you don't do, right? I tried prayer one time, just didn't take That's like a person going to the gym one time, getting on a scale going, didn't take, I gave up on that. I'll go every now and then. I'm just not good at it. Pray more. You say, what if I'm not praying right? Don't worry about that. Just ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and pray more. Here's the second way you can become, I believe, a, a prayer warrior. Come to corporate prayer meeting. Like you should have expected me to say that, by the way. You know why? At corporate prayer meeting, one of our aims, people ask me all the time, do we have a discipleship ministry at New Beginnings? Do we have discipleship for our men? Do we have discipleship for our women? Yeah, I'm gonna give you the number one discipleship plan we have at New Beginnings Baptist Church. The problem is most people don't want that. They just want a Bible study, not discipleship. That's another soapbox. Prayer meeting. I believe is the number one discipleship tool at New Beginnings Baptist Church right now. You know why? When we come in this place, we're spread out in the room and what we do is we teach on prayer a little bit, like very little, but most of the teaching is just giving some tools. So like every week, there'll be a way that we approach the Lord. And the reason we do it this way is because we're wanting to teach our people how to pray. So we're doing it in the context of the corporate service, but a lot of that is you spending time with the Lord and me giving practical ways that you can engage the presence of God on your own. So it's just these, and we do different types of tools that we'll have on the screen and we'll give you a moment to do it so that you can, listen to this, receive a tool and practice it right there. 
by yourself, quietly in your seat, engage the Lord. Then there's opportunities where you're gonna be able to hear other people who might be a few steps ahead of you. You get to hear them pray. And that begins to shape how you talk to God. It begins to influence. There'll be times where I'll lead in prayer. There'll be times where you can be stretched, where maybe in a group, you have an opportunity to pray in a, in a group. You say, I'm not really good at praying in a group. Right, prayer meeting is a great opportunity for you to listen to others pray in a group. And at times when you feel the courage to pray as well. It's a way for you to grow in your boldness and your confidence. There are times where we'll spend moments where we're saying, hey, if anybody wants to pray out loud, you can pray out loud or you can just pray quietly. But through that experience, here's what I'm learning. The number one testimony I'm hearing from prayer meeting is this. This is the greatest feedback. More than prayers being answered and miracles happening and all that's happening. The number one testimony that I believe is the most encouraging is I've had people tell me, I'm talking dozens of people say, because of prayer meeting for the first time, in my life, I'm learning how to pray on my own. And I believe the power of our corporate prayer meeting is not just what happens in the room, but really we're doing on Wednesday what you're gonna be able to do on Thursday morning by yourself. It's a discipleship tool. And I'm, I'm gonna say this, I'm probably gonna frustrate some of you and I don't mean this to be haughty, all right? But don't tell me you're serious about growing in your prayer life if you won't come to corporate prayer meeting or won't find some sort of corporate prayer rhythm because everything else that's important in your life, you figure it out. So don't say, hey, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man or a woman of prayer and I, I wanna grow in my prayer life. And then there's this platform that you can actually grow in the context of community in the most essential discipline you'll ever have in your life. And so find your corporate prayer rhythm. It might be once a week once every other week, could be once a month, but find a rhythm and say, I'm gonna be committed because that's a place that I can go and I can learn how to pray. Now, I'm gonna show you why this is important in our closing. Mark in chapter three does something. He makes a connection between this intimacy with the Father that Jesus has and Jesus's invitation to follow him. Here's what he says. It's describing when Jesus appointed the 12. It says, and he appointed 12 whom he also named apostles. And then he tells us why. So that, now listen to the next phrase, they might be with him. Eyes right here for a second. The primary invitation of Jesus in your life is not to work for Jesus, but to be with Jesus. It is to be with him. It is to experience intimacy with him. It is to fellowship with him. It is to know him. It is to abide in him. It doesn't say, and he appointed the 12 so he can send them. He's gonna get to that. No, he appointed the 12 so they could be with him. And then listen to what's second. And he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. Preaching and casting out demons for the disciples came from being with him. Some of y'all, listen, the reason you're burnt out is because you try to spend your life doing for rather than being with. And guess what? When you're with him, it gives you a framework to work for him. So let me summarize it just like this. Very simple. Listen to this. You were not saved to work for Jesus, but to walk with Jesus. And when you walk with him, he works through you. How do we walk with Jesus? Through prayer. Next week we're gonna talk about the word. But it starts with prayer, knees down. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. I just wanna take a moment before we're dismissed. 
and give you a, a, a moment to ask yourself this question. Number one, do I know him? If you're certain of a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know right now where you are. The first prayer, the most important prayer of your life is to confess him as Lord and surrender to him. And to ask him to come and live inside of you. And right now you can do that. You can just say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I need a relationship with you. And I want to surrender my life to you. You died and you rose and I know that you are the hope of eternal life for me. Would you save me? Would you live inside of me? If you prayed that prayer in just a few moments when we're dismissed, there's going to be a couple of staff members that are gonna stand right over here to my left, up front over here under the screen to my left, you're right. If you pray today to receive Jesus, you, you wanna to talk to someone, we're gonna be available for you. We'd like to help you begin this new journey. Others of you in this room, how many of you would just, with your heads bowed, would raise your hand and say, I want to live knees down. Raise your hand if that's you, okay. That journey begins today. That journey begins today. Begin to reorder your life so that you can begin your day with Jesus in prayer. Find the corporate prayer rhythm for your life and begin to prioritize moments of prayer through the day. And listen, you say, well, what if I don't get it right? You'll get it right. Just stay faithful in it. Because the Holy Spirit wants you to learn this. And if you're willing to continue to walk and press in, He will help create this in your life. I'm gonna pray a blessing over you. We'll have some announcements for dismiss. Father, we love you, and I ask in the name of Jesus, you will do this work in this room. Make us into knees-down disciples. I pray for those who received you this morning that they would have the courage to come and speak with one of our encouragers, begin this new journey. And God, I pray for all of us in this room. Lord, help us live knees-down, spiritually dependent upon you and you alone. We ask this in the name of Jesus. And God's people said, Amen. You guys.